You're listening to a Sun Life podcast. We pray that you be blessed by the teaching of God's word. For more information, visit sunlife.org.au. Enjoy the sermon. What I want to do uh, briefly is talk on uh, just what's godly manhood, what it means to be a godly man of faith. Uh, my, my message will be quite short, it'll be only around 15 minutes. Um, and then afterwards, I'm going to invite uh, five fellas to, to come on stage, and I'm going to have a conversation with them. And I, I'm pretty sure that they will definitely encourage you with their wealth or, or wisdom. Uh, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn now with me to Proverbs chapter 25, verses 26 to 28. Uh, we have a church app. All right. If you don't have the church app, my advice is install the church app. It's really, really good. Uh, the notes to this morning's message is in the church app. The Bible study uh, will also be in the um, church app. So please open up. For those joining us online, always great to have you. Uh, wishing you also an amazing Father's Day. And we long for you to join us if you can. Uh, please do uh, lean in with the teaching of God's Word. And do open up your Bible and also have the church app open. Let me read the Word of God. Proverbs 25 verses 26 to 28. Like a muddled spring or a polluted fountain is a righteous man who gives way before the wicked. It is not good to eat much honey, nor it is glorious to seek one's own glory. Verse 28, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without wars. Just those three verses. And in those three verses, what you do notice, and I watch, I want to teach you, is there's a common theme. There's a key theme that runs throughout those three verses, and that theme is self-control. I want to talk about self-control and how that's important if we want to be godly in the eyes of God. Go with me again to verse 26. The writer says this, like a muddled spring or a polluted fountain is a righteous man who gives way before the wicked. There, there's an image here of polluted water, right? Whether it is water from a spring or water from a water well, if the water is polluted, it is undrinkable. Amen? And so the writer here would say this, a righteous man, and a righteous man in Proverbs refers to a good man, a decent man, a man of honor, right? a godly man, right? A righteous man who gives way, gives into wickedness, he is like polluted water. The phrase give way, right, implies a person has given into something that he ought not to give into. So there's a contrast of doing what is good and doing what is bad. But when you give way to the wicked, it's implying that the temptation, the forces of Wickedness is far greater. Have you ever been in a situation where you hear that small voice in your head and the phrase, just one more, just one more, just one more bet on the horses, just one more drink before the night is over, just one more hour on social media, just one more glance and look at that website late at night? Just one more. And usually what happens is that one more becomes another one more and another one more. And you give in, you give way to what is 
wicked. And you lose control, you lose self-control. And so the author here of Proverbs would say, a righteous man, a godly man is one who gives way just one more, a lack of self-control, just like contaminated water, and you cannot drink it. Well, look in verse 27. He continues on to say that it is not good to eat much honey, nor it is glorious to seek one's own glory. It's quite strange that now the author would introduce eating of honey, but we need to read a few verses prior. Go with me to verse 16 of the same chapter. Proverbs 25, verse 16. If you have found honey, there it is, eat only enough for you, lest you have your fill of it and vomit it. You see, it's a picture again, if you find honey, only eat what you need to eat. Have self-control. I remember back in the day when I was much younger, probably some 20, 25 years ago, KFC, if you remember, used to have this thing where it's all you can eat, KFC. I don't know whether KFC had some kind of uh, association with the Jenny Craig weight loss program, right? But they were smart. They were probably working together. And I remember as a young fella with some friends of mine going to KFC, all you can eat. And one of my good friends said, well, you know what, Ben? Why not? You know, if I'm going to pay $19.95 to eat as much KFC as I like, I might as well eat $99 worth of KFC. And he literally probably ate $99 worth of Colonel Sanders' 11 secret herbs and spices. But around 90 minutes into that fest of just putting in as much Kentucky Fried Chicken, guess what happened? It came out. Right? And that's a picture of someone without self-control. And that's what we see right here in that verse where the writer would say, it's not good to eat too much with this whole idea of having self-control. But the writer drives home the point in verse 28. Go with me to Proverbs 25, 28. A man without self-control is like a city broken into, left without walls. Back in those days, what they would do is, in a city, they would build big walls to keep the people inside safe, but also keep the enemies away from coming into. And so, the writer would say that if you have no self-control, you're like a city with no walls. You're at the mercy of your enemies. Can you see what the author is saying right there? Self-control is so vital in order to be a godly man. And what we don't see in the English text, but you have to trust me here, in the original Hebrew text here, in verse 28, the author says that it's a self-control of the internal passions and internal emotions. There's a word that the, the writer used here, is the word ruach, which you should remember is the word, what, spirit. It talks about the inner man, the inner spirit. And what the author is saying here is that godly people, godly men, I'm speaking to the men here, whether you're married or single, I'm speaking to godly men here, is that you have to learn to tame the internal drives and passions and emotions that only you know you struggle with. It is very, very important that we need to understand as men, we are emotional people. We live in a culture where it tends to paint that the Aussie Oka culture is that we are tough. Is that right? We should not be a person of emotion. We are to be brave, hard as, 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 as nail. But the honest truth is that we're all emotional people. We all have feelings. 
There are moments where things are great and moments where things are not too great. Think about the last time you watched a romantic comedy or a movie with someone that you love. I'm pretty sure that the emotion runs a bit wild. How about when we first all watched that amazing movie, The Titanic, that last scene where Jack and Rose were just holding there and Jack was sleeping, well, trying to sleep, and Rose would say, you know, I love you. Wake up, Jack, wake up. You know the scene when the flute starts playing, you know what I'm talking about, right? When Jack could not hold Rose's hand anymore and let go and drifted to the abyss. I'm pretty sure the fellas here, there was no dry eye in the house, right? You know what I'm talking about? Where are emotional people? I'm crying right now as I think about it. <laughs> no, I was only joking. You see, guys, let's be honest. We are happy when things are going well. Amen? We may get upset or frustrated when the DIY project doesn't go to plan, right? Yeah? Or we might even cry when that moment Elon Musk revealed the Cybertruck. It was a great day for us folks. We need to understand that we are people of emotion. And sometimes the emotion inside, the passion inside, there are things that we need to tame. There are things that we need to keep control. That's why it's very important for us as men to really ask God to help us. You know, as men, we don't lose our cool. We control our temper. Amen? As men, we don't abuse women. You know, we honor our wives. We love our children. We protect our girlfriend's innocence. We treat our wives with respect. We say no to pornography. We honor our parents. We're there for those around us. You get my point? There are a lot of things that runs inside here that no one knows except you and God. And some of those passions are really good and some of those passions are not good. Some of the desires are really, really honoring and some of those desires are not. And we have a responsibility to tame them, control them. And we need to understand that God is a gracious God. And God understands every one of our weaknesses. But God also promises us His Holy Spirit. That He gives us His Holy Spirit to help us overcome whatever internal passions and drives that we may have that may not bring glory to Him, that may not bring good to those around us. I love it how Paul would say in Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit, talks about the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, and peace, and forbearance, and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and what? Self-control. I want you to understand that. I want to finish up by saying this, is that if you have listened to what I've said in the last five, ten minutes, and you feel that, well, Pastor, I've, I've made some big mistakes. I've done things that I'm not proud of. Uh, some of the, the lists that you mentioned, I, I broke them all. Well, I want you to understand that this message here is not to condemn you. This message is not to make you feel bad. This message here is to remind you that God is our hope. That God wants to transform you. That God loves you. And God cares for you. And God promises that He gives you His Spirit to help you overcome some of those temptations. God wants you to change. And I believe that God can change some of us this afternoon. I believe that there are some of the strongholds and addictions and issues that we face with these internal pressures that we struggle with, God can change you and God wants to change you. We are not perfect. God is perfect. I want you to know that if you're willing to let God change you, that your lives can also add value to those around you, just like fresh water 
bringing hope to the hopeless, that you can be strong, just like a city with a war protecting the people. God's Spirit is in you, and God wants to transform you and change you for His glory and for the good of those around you. Fellas, it is okay to say to someone, hey, I need help. It's okay to find another male and say, hey, can you pray for me? Can you help me? Because there are these internal desires and passions that I need to suppress, that I need to tame. I need more self-control. It is okay to say I am weak. I need some support. I need some prayer. I want to encourage that in this church here. I want you to know that no one is perfect here. God is perfect. That you cannot change unless you ask God to change you. And ask God's Spirit to come in and do the work in transforming you, in allowing you to tame and have the self-control over certain passion and desires that will not bring glory to God. And so what I want to do now is I want to invite, if possible, all the fellows to be upstanding. I want to pray for you, and that is okay. I want to pray and ask God's Spirit to really uh, empower you and help you to be that godly man to be someone that will bring glory to God and bring good to those around you. If you are married and what I've shared really has really impacted you and has spoke to you, then I want to, to pray for you, fellas, so that you can be the best husband, the best father to your children. You know, if you are dating and you've realized you've done certain things that is not honoring to your girlfriend, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God will help you to have that self-control. If you are someone that is struggling with maybe um, uh, temper issues or, or, or maybe pornography or maybe gambling or certain addictions, I want to pray because I believe that my God, our God, is in the game of transforming us. I believe that He's a great God, that His Spirit promised us that He will give us all that we need, right? All that we need to be godly men. So Father, I pray right now for all the people standing, all the gents standing right now. Lord, You know them. You know me. You know our struggles. You know where we are at, Lord. We are not perfect, Lord. We make mistakes. I'm pretty sure we made mistakes last night and this morning. But God, I know in Your Word that You are a loving God. You are a God who forgives us. You're a God of many chances. You're a God who cares for us and you have promised us in your word that your spirit is in us. Great is he who is in me than in the world. That your spirit will give us all the grace and all the strength that we need to tame those internal passions and desires and emotion that would cause havoc to those around us. So God, you know where we're at. You know what help we need. So God, would you help us? Well, I pray right now for all the fellas standing right now that you would just remind them in moments of weakness, God, you will be there to help them. That there are other brothers and sisters in this church to stand beside them, to hear them out, to lay hands and pray for them. Lord, we are not a church where, where we are perfect. We're imperfect. Therefore, we are not going to condemn anyone because you don't condemn us. So God, will this be a great community for all fellas to really grow in maturity, to grow to be more like you, to be you know, godly men for your glory and for the good of those around us. Lord, I also pray for anyone this morning who feels condemned, who feels like, wow, they've done things that they're not proud of. Could you remind them they're so loved by you? Can you remind them that, that you care for them a lot and that you really uh, love them and forgive them? And so I pray, God, that this is not a condemning message, but a message of hope, a message where you, you know, 
lift us from our merry clay and you transform us, God. So I thank you so much for your grace. I want to thank you right now in advance because I know that you're already healing some right now and that you're already bringing some restoration right now, God. I also pray for those maybe with broken relationships right now, those who are having problems with their dads or even having problems with you, their Heavenly Father. Lord, right now, would you begin to build those bridges again, heal those wounds again, restore what is broken again, Lord. I know you're able. I know you can change us right now as of this afternoon. So I thank you so much. Bless us, Lord. Bless me. Bless us all, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please grab a seat. Thank you so much for standing and, and receiving prayer. I'm going to invite now the five gents, five gents, five really godly men to come on stage with me and, and grab a seat. We're going to have a conversation because this is continuing on from my, my message here. I'm going to ask them some conversation in regards to what it means to be a, a godly man. So good. So good. So on stage here, we have um, some who... Um, actually, they're all married. They're all married. They're all married. I thought this one was single. No, but this one is married. Uh, <laughs> Who's taken? No, they're all married, but we've got some with, with kids and some without children. But I thought it'd be great just to ask them some questions. Is that right, fellas? Uh, let, me, let me just start off by just um, getting my questions out there. Here's the first question I want to ask you uh, in regards to what it means to be a, a godly man here. Um, what does integrity look like? Integrity as a man of faith. What does that look like? Ellen. Um, yeah, when we look, when yeah, when we think of the word integrity, I suppose um, honesty comes comes about, and um, we we think of people who can keep to his words, and um, probably a person who has certain um, value system that he keeps. Um, but to me, integrity uh, to me would be to be able to sleep well if I maintain good integrity, um, and and I have the peace, and I think in. Proverbs uh, 10.9 says that if a man walks in integrity, uh, walks secure, securely. So I think that's, that's integrity. Thank you. Thank you, Ellen. Michael? Yeah. Um, I think I'm reminded of two aspects. One is, yeah, similar to how Ellen shared about just being honest and, yeah, being able to have a clear conscience. Um, I was reminded I like, to, I like to buy and sell secondhand cars a little bit. Um, a bit of fun for me and yeah a few months ago I bought one and then didn't go so well I think the transmission was starting to go out and then I sold it but I kind of I was pretty vague on some of the issues it had and then the guy messaged me back later and he's like hey you didn't tell me about this and I was like yeah you didn't like I was thinking like yeah you didn't ask about this you didn't ask about that and then eventually <laughs> I was like I felt a little bit convicted I talked to Katie and we're like all right what are we going to do about this and I ended up feeling like it was right to give some of the money back um, and then I, it ended up being more expensive in the long run and I think yeah the aspect I was like I wasn't integrous but I think um, yeah there's always a second chance and I think whenever we're dishonest there's a second chance to make that right um, yeah and then the second aspect I think for me is just being known for who I am I think yeah with your you're saying I'm not an Aussie but that Oka Aussie sort of I'm, I'm tough, um, I don't struggle with things, I'm not emotional. Um, often I'm tempted to do that, just like put up a wall um, of I'm not struggling. Um, 
but I think, yeah, being integrous is just being real with people and when they say, how are you? Um, I mean, you don't always have to pour out your heart, but for me, often I, I want to just say, yeah, I'm good, even if I'm not good. Um, but yeah, integrity would be, for me, being real. Actually, I'm struggling with this and I need help and I need prayer. So good. Uh, what advice would you give to a uh, teenage version of yourself? So what advice would you give to yourself, your much younger self? Dex, buy Bitcoin. <laughs> uh, but on a serious note, um, I would tell my younger self uh, to be humble. Be f- humble yourself before the Lord humbles you. Um, because in my teenage years, I thought I was the best um, preacher until I met Pastor Ben. And <laughs> um, I-, I thought I could change the world for Jesus. But um, my life at that time, um, throughout the years, could be like those Russian dolls. You know, where they start off big, but then you open them up and then they're smaller. I remember saying to the Lord, look at how gifted I am, Lord. I can change the world for you. I can take on the world for you right now. But then God, in His love, in His grace, He humbles me. He's like, no, Dex, you're actually not that big. And He opens me up. Painful process. Something happened, painful process. But then I, I became a bit smaller. And then I'm like, okay, God, I'm not that great, but I'm still pretty big. I can still do big things for you. But then God's like, no, Dex, you're actually not that big. And this process continues and continues to happen. Okay, I'm not that big, but what about a medium size? I can do the average things for you, but then still no, still no, still no, still opening me up, still humbling me until I was so tiny. I felt like, man, Lord, I'm not that big, but I can do the small things for you, but still God humbles me and like, no, Dex, you're still actually not that big. And he opens me up again. And now I feel like a speck. I feel like nothing. Lord, I don't think I can do anything for you. But then in his whisper, in his love towards me, he says, that's right. I don't want you to do anything for me without me. You can do nothing. I don't want you to do nothing for me, without me. Now, because you're humble, now I can use you. That's now, that's, now when you know who you are, I can use you. Uh, so I would tell my younger self, humble yourself before the Lord humbles you. Good. Mark. Um, I remember uh, when I was 14, and uh, I remember a call of God on my life uh, to become a Catholic priest. I was raised Catholic, went to Catholic school, and I remember if, uh, thinking if I'd gone down that path that I was going to miss out on having a family and having a wife and having kids because uh, priests can't marry. And, and, and as I grew, um, you know, the world crept in and, 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 and money and work and career and girls. Um, and, and, you know, I, I forgot about those things. I forgot about that call um, all those years back. So I'd love to go back to when I was 14 and say, you know, forsake all that you may gain Christ that titles and, and position and money and career mean nothing if you don't have Jesus. Mm, so so that's, what, that's where I'd like to go back. Thank you. What's the responsibility uh, of a father in the eyes of God, the Heavenly Father? Karen. For me, um, God has appointed and raised up uh, fathers for a reason. It's not a um, coincidence that we are fathers God has ordained us and commanded us to train and teach our children 
and not let culture define them, not let social media teach them, not let just schools or friends or their environment teach them, but us as fathers, we have the uh, obligation and we God commanded us, we have the mandate to teach our sons and uh, it, Proverbs even said that he who withholds rod hates his son. Like sometimes, you know, I have a three-year-old and sometimes if I, I, I don't feel like disciplining him because he's so cute, but he's doing the wrong thing. But, but I have to do it because in the long run, he's going to be spoiled. In the long run, uh, someone's going to, he's going to get on someone's nerve. And, and, and I think uh, teach your children and discipline your children is a big thing that God has placed for us. Uh, whereas our morality, values are kingdom-based and Bible-based. Uh, it doesn't depend on the world. We might be a minority, but this is the truth that we hold on to. And uh, it's just great to uh, be able to teach and discipline our children to have that kind of principle. And the last thing for me, our responsibility as a father is to pray for your children. And I know every night before we sleep, obviously we go to sleep and, oh God, pray, I pray for my family, my wife and sons or all this, but really pray for your children because I remember this story back in 1934, uh, May 1934, there's this simple young farmer uh, with a young family that he's just a local farmer businessman. He started a prayer group uh, with some local guys and they prayed for revival and they prayed that God will raise up or appoint someone from Charlotte. Um, his name is William uh, Franklin Sr. And, you know, it seems like a, like a small thing, but he kept on praying and praying and praying, and then God really put in his heart that God is going to actually really raise someone up from Charlotte, and God actually does. The actual name of this, this simple farmer, uh, local businessman's name is William Franklin Graham Sr., and he is the father of Billy Graham. And Billy Graham is the world's most renowned evangelist. He's advisor to 11 presidents in the United States. He's preached to over 215 million people. That's not on social media, that's live in 185 countries. And his legacy remains now through his ministry, through his son, Franklin Graham Jr., through his books, and through the people that have been. Uh, you know, people that know Christ through his ministry. And so he might be unnamed, faceless, but his impact through praying for his children is massive. So, yeah, that's that's one thing that really stood out for me. Thank you. Um, look, um, I, I totally agree with what Gary just said. Um, for me, what is a godly father? A godly father knows God and shares God to his children. Now, my dad was a godly father to me. He took every opportunity to bring it back to Christ, bring it back to Jesus. Uh, taught me Christian principles throughout my life. Um, I remember watching TV with him one day, and what we were watching was man versus wild. It was uh, Bear Grylls. He was in the mud, and he was fishing for some fish using his hand as bait. And so he was swirling around, and then this big catfish bites his hand, he pulls it out of the water, he stabs the fish and eats the fish raw. And dad just smiled and he said, I did that. And I'm like, you did what, dad? Not with a fish, but with a snake. Um, my dad, he became an orphan 
in Cambodia when the Khmer Rouge came and just wiped out his family. So he became an orphan, lived in the jungle, and there was a time where he was so desperate and hungry that he saw a snake crawl in its hole. And so my dad would use his hand, put his hand in the hole, let the snake bite his hand, he would pull out the snake and he bit the snake, then he'll pass out, then he'll wake up and finish eating the snake. And then there was another time he told me um, he was trying to hunt this ox, this wild ox, but its hide was too thick for his rocks and his sticks. And so he, it gorged him um, on his thigh and he's like, here Dex, here's the scars to prove it. And I'm like, dad, you're crazy. Like if there's a zombie apocalypse, I wanna be with you. <laughs> we're gonna make it through if, if we're with you. But then he says, but look, all this happened because there was a protector. Someone was protecting me. Then he, he continues this story. There was another time in Cambodia when I was riding on a bus full of people. It was just actually a minivan, but there was like 50 people, like people hanging out the windows. Dad was sitting on top at the back. But then this bus drove over a landmine and it blew up. Dad flew like 20 meters, lands on the ground, wakes up, everyone else perished but him. And then he tells me like there was just someone, it was God, it was God always protecting me all that time. Dex, if God protects me, he's going to protect you. And so for me, I grew up knowing that a God that protected my father would also protect me. So for me, a godly father is someone who knows God and shares God to his children. So, good. so how do you maintain a pure heart, gents? A pure heart. Um, yeah, I can answer. Um, I think for me, uh, in this season, it's just been intentional about spending time with God. And yeah, I was reminded of, I think King David said, um, like in one of his prayers and Psalms, to asking God to search his heart. Um, and I think, yeah, that's quite a bold, scary prayer. Um, just inviting God into, to, yeah, convict you of anything that's not right before him. And I think, um, yeah, for me, I can often go about doing ministry and it looks very good and I'm serving the Lord but if I get too busy and I leave out um, spending personal time with God often I can miss um, yeah where he wants to point out parts in my heart that aren't right with him at that point so yeah for me it's just finding time daily to spend time with the Lord asking him to search my heart and then if there's anything I need to get right with him that day um, I just do it I just repent or ask someone for prayer for that um but yeah, just regularly maintaining those times with the Lord. Thank you. Yeah, um, very similar. Like I, when I think about the pure heart, I think three things, you know, to walk in love. Uh, Jesus reduced all the, of the Lord to two commands, to love God and to love each other. And it's so easy to love because he first loved us. He gave us Jesus. So it's compelled upon us to love. The other thing is to, to walk in repentance, like you were saying, just... You know that humble heart that you know we all miss it but we know that if we do um he's he's faithful and just to forgive us and uh, we have an advocate with the father isn't that that's awesome just that we can go there and just ask the lord to forgive us and and the third one was just to to walk in forgiveness really uh when those come come against us when they offend us um you know i was reminded of the parable that jesus told where the the ruler forgave his servant a great a great deal but he turned around and couldn't even forgive his own servant a small amount and and, and god said that by the measure that we forgive we will be forgiven and uh, if we walk in those things i think we'll just uh, keep a pure heart and right before the lord that's good how about our generosity generosity as a man of god what does that look like 
Um, generosity is, to me, is about giving without any expectation. I think the, it's just a reflection of God, actually, because God's generosity in giving His Son to die on the cross for us, us sinners who don't deserve anything. Uh, to me, that's the ultimate generosity. And um, yeah, we, we just have to be generous because of what God has done for us. And there's so much to be thankful for what God has done. Yeah, uh, for me, generosity is about sacrifice and not about sacrificing just money or objects or material things, but sacrificing our time or energy or effort uh, to understanding our kids more. Because in order for us to love them, we have to understand them because uh, they have different personalities. They have different love languages. They have different responses to discipline. They have different ways that they would understand things. So I would say generosity in the terms of being a father means uh, to spend time and energy and effort. And it's it may not be the most interesting, uh, interesting thing, but uh, g generosity always also speaks about priority, where we put our family. Um, sometimes we put our families above our careers. Sometimes we, uh, we, we, as men, we deserve a break, so we put golf or hobbies more than uh, investing in our kids and our families. And I think as a father, uh, generosity means to sacrifice and just to put them uh, under our relationship with God. And priority-wise, our family comes first. And I, I'm sure that's what the, uh, what God intended for, for us. And God will lead us as fathers as well. God will give us wisdom in order for us to understand and teach and discipline our, our, our children and live a life of favor and blessing from God. Church, were you blessed with these amazing men? Yeah. Give them a round of applause. Thank you so much.